that was us getting telemarketer calls for phone sex perfume. Yeah. What? Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's us climbing the rat's asshole. What? No! <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this before you ruin more possibilities for me. <laughs> So we talked about what we liked about Batman and uh, yeah, yeah. and Star Wars and Jurassic Park and yep, all those movies. Uh, Big Fish. What we didn't what didn't we like about this movie? Uh Batpod scene. Batpod scene. I love that the Batmobile has that feature, but Jesus, that 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 alleyway is so impractically designed and so stupid. Why would the alleyway just terminate in the middle with like an H design almost? <laughs> like it's a wonderful place to put a squeeze point for a Batmobile what purpose. Right. It screams it's... this is here only for you to do this. <laughs> or just a city that kind of expanded so quickly that yeah. they're just like, let's put this road here. But there's buildings in the way. Well, I guess we'll have to terminate the road here, but <sighs> Yeah. I, I, as a kid, <sighs> as a kid, I loved the Bat Pod and even the toy, the Kenner toy. Oh my god, you press that button and those sides. Coolest freaking thing in the world. But it does not make sense in this movie because, yes, it is literally there just to make him do that. Had it been like a natural looking alleyway, had it been something different, sure, I believe it is cool. But that is so cr- cringeworthy. Yeah, this, this movie, there's a lot of parts in this movie that make me grit my teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still would forgive this, though. And I would still give this a better rating than, is it Forever or Batman and Robin where, uh, help me out with this one, guys. Which one is the one where the Batmobile shoots out a freaking grappling hook and climbs up the side of a building? I think that's I Forever. I think that's Forever. <laughs> yes. I think that's, I think that's in with the Batnipples. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Robin has prominent Batnipples too, don't? Oh, God. Don't. Dude, what, did you block that out of your memory, Joe? <laughs> I forgot about that till just now, too. Which means that probably can't be batman and robin because i watched that movie Ugh. at least once a year all that i remember from batman and robin is the holy rusted metal batman that's about it <laughs> nope you, you nailed it it's uh it's forever i found a screen chase of or i found a screen grab of it it's when harvey dent is chasing bat chasing the batmobile oh it, hell yeah there really? it is climbing up the side of a building <laughs> with its grappling hook. oh lord yeah i hate it i hate it so much i mean it's an option oh <laughs> It's like a moon roof. It's actually probably one of my favorite thing about the Batman universe. <laughs> and one of my favorite things about this movie in general is just the uh, ridiculous amount of contraptions that Batman, or in this case, also Penguin has that fits the need exactly how they need it at the time. So Penguin says, I saw her first, steps on an umbrella and flies away. <laughs> yes. Like the craziness that is. I love the Penguin's umbrella. The craziness that is a contraption that just happens to fit in what you need. And then it's also his downcoming because he pulls out a thing to uh, umbrella to try to stop the Batman and it turns out to be the whimsical one. Which says that the movie is aware of that property and played with it. Yes. Yeah. And yes. so I can appreciate a grappling hook on a Batman car to pull it up the side of a building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember as a kid being like, what the hell? And then that's always stuck with me. I can't even tell you the last time I've watched Batman forever, but I remember that. <laughs> ah. I was for sure that I was going to see the neon goon fight in uh, Batman Returns 
And when it didn't happen, I was like, oh, God, what right? movie is that one forever. from? This movie still had that control. Once you get to forever, everything goes to hell. You get Tommy guns with neon lights. You get all kinds of crazy, goofy shit. I was for certain I was going to see that fight here, and I didn't. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. What's happening in this world? And this is why I argue forever is the worst Batman, not Batman and Robin. And it makes me so sad because it has Carrie. And I really do like Jim Carrey's Riddler. It's it, I like it. But in theory, the, wonderful. I also really yeah. like that Two-Face as well. Tommy Lee uh, what's Jones? His name? Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. The, the problem, and the biggest problem with that movie, well documented, and I won't get in the weeds with this one, but Tommy Lee Jones thought he was tough shit playing, you know, Two-Face. He thought he was going to bring some awesomeness to the character. And then here comes this cocky little new shit, Jim Carrey to the set, making everyone laugh. Oh. And he was yep. so freaking jealous and so angry the whole time, trying to outdo him and outperform him in every single scene they had together. <laughs> he actually told him on the side that he didn't think he was funny and like he he didn't think his buffoonery was funny, all that stuff like that. It's just like Two Face isn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> You do not tell a master clowner that his buffoonery is weak yep. because that makes it do it more. That's exactly why you get the scenes where Tommy Lee Jones looks like he's really trying to overact and really be batshit crazy because he is. He's trying to overdo it to overshadow Jim Carrey, but he's he's going to a losing fight with that. That's one. very true. I, I forgot about how over the top he could be in that movie. Uh-huh. He's supposed to be just a straight gangster badass and yeah. He but he's almost as goofy as the Joker. Up, he's always got his head like, tilted back, cackling gleefully, maniacally. It's just like he didn't rein that in. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's kind of stuff I put out of my head. <laughs> well, I'm glad I have all these shitty memories to bring back to you guys. <laughs> Uh, I, just, I just like brain drain and all that fun stuff. I like Jim Carrey as the Riddler. It was great. Val Kilmer was very wooden in that movie, though. Just like a Batman should be. Mm-hmm. Should he be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, before I forget, I forgot to bring this up in the likes, but did you guys notice that um, Keaton actually had more of a Batman voice in the costume this time around? Like, when he pulled out of the Batmobile when the clowns were terrorizing the town, he actually had that low, gruff voice. Versus the first movie, I felt like he had the exact same voice, whether he was Bruce Wayne or Batman. Yeah. And he was also, I, I feel like, a really good-looking Batman this time around. Yeah, they changed the suit. Yeah, the, the, the suit looks different. It looks different, and it was also not super rigid, so Keaton, there, yeah, Michael Keaton could like actually act in it, instead of having mm-hmm. to wear the costume and try to act around the costume yeah that was one of the big changes from the first movie if you remember the first movie when he had to look at stuff he had to move his whole upper torso to look in directions in this movie i can't remember what they changed but he was able to have a little bit more free head movement but it wasn't until the um nolan trilogy where the cowl was redesigned and i think it was after batman begins or maybe it was batman begins but either way it was uh the nolan trilogy redesigned the cowl so that the cowl was separate from the headpiece so that way, you know, obviously a lot more freedom of movement. You can actually move your head, tilt it up and down, all that stuff. Because the problem with these Batman suits from these four movies is they were pretty rigid. Yeah. You had to turn to look at things. <laughs> they uh, they they poke fun at that in in the new Batmans too. Like, oh, you can actually turn your neck. But yeah, I mean, it, come, it shows in this movie because when they take off Batman's mask, they have to rip the cowl from the mask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, he's going to take off his mask. Oh, wait, does he destroy his mis- his mask every time he puts on the Batman suit. No, he's got mul- well. I mean, they do that whole. They he's got the whole Batman bat closet full of bat suits. Yes. So like 
bat suits and shoes. He's styling. <laughs> I thought it was funny that when he ripped his cowl off, he also ripped eye makeup. His eye yep. makeup off. Oh god, did that bother me? I was like, how did that? Isn't work? that what you'd want to have happen? <laughs> I mean, yeah. However, what you want in reality is not always yeah. congruent. Yeah. It's a really good point. I actually didn't notice that. That's funny. I can honestly say, from that standpoint, having dressed as Batman many times during my youth, that is the one hard part: is the fucking eyeshadow. Like how? How you cannot seamlessly go from being Batman to Bruce Wayne and vice versa. It's impossible. <laughs> you cannot Movie do that. magic. <laughs> Got a little machine that he puts over his eyes and goes. <laughs> oh, so he stole the thing from the Fifth Element that let Lilu do makeup in a in his flash. <laughs> like, yep, yep, I like okay, this. Okay. <laughs> I like this cannon. <laughs> Somehow he got that technology, or no, wait, the technology in the fifth element exists because Batman came up with it. Bam, there we go. There we go. Okay, this cannon's <laughs> making sense. I like it now. Doesn't explain how he gets it off so quickly. We never actually see Lilu taking it off either, so. I, I would assume it's reverse op- option too. I don't know. Or they just do skin matching color uh, concealer over the top of the, over the black stuff. So it's just layers upon layers of makeup. Oh God. So it's black, then tan, black, then tan. <laughs> Please peel off the layers. <laughs> oh, anyways, I feel like I've really stolen the uh, spotlight away from the things that you guys didn't like. And I, I'm curious to hear this. So, so well, remember when, o- Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. You <laughs> yeah. Go, go for it, Joe. We haven't heard from you. I'll just openly say there's not a whole lot on my, my notes about things I don't like. I just kind of just pointed at things in the movie and said, huh, how about that? So it's not like I really disliked things in the movie. It's just, I noticed small things and was like, yeah, how about that? Like DJ scratching a CD. Hey. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's where I was going to go. His bat CD player is a highlight, not a detractor. That is a de- serious <laughs> detractor because that's not how CDs work. Because he needs to record just in case somebody hacks into his car. I want to know where he pulled the CD from because he just pulls it out of nowhere and puts it into the player. Where was the CD? Right. You don't want to talk about the bat pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, maybe his utility pouch. There we go. Yeah, his utility pouch has everything. But let's just talk about the contrivance of this whole ending where they're like, okay, the Penguin, we're going to have Batman murder a lady or frame Batman for murdering the lady. We're going to frame Batman for the – was the Batarang part of the murdering of the lady? Batarang was used – was stolen during uh, one of the first fight scenes – by, right, the dog catches by, it. Yeah, dog ladies, dog. But there was a part where they said, oh, look, this bat- battering was used. Was that for murdering the lady? No, well, it wasn't for murdering the lady. It was for murdering the people protecting the lady. Okay. It was it was planted. So essentially what they did was they put the battering covered in blood in, um, in, a bag. in the baggie because they found it in the Ice Queen's tent after she went missing because Penguin went in and threw it at her. So after he knocked her out with the battering and left the battering in the tent, making it look like Batman did okay. it, then later on, the police were like, this is circumstantial ev- er, evidence, and they're talking about the battering not being a thing. Then Batman came up to the building, and that's when they did the whole push, her, push the Ice Queen off, Batman standing on the side of the building, and then bats coming out of the tree. Yes. All that, you know, flashiness to make Batman look like a bad guy. Exactly. Immediately followed by stealing his Batmobile and plowing into citizens. <laughs> okay, so this is... This is the kind of uh, setup that they need to make Batman look like a terrible person. And honestly, they nailed it. Batman running over people, getting in his car and just going and running over people. Batman standing on top of a building after a lady just fell off. These are really good things to make people be like, you know, Batman, maybe he's not the greatest person. And then 
Batman sticks a CD into his car. Alfred hacks into a TV station. Fucking awesome, Alfred. You fucking rock again. (laughs) And then he plays two lines of dialogue over Cobblepot and that's the downfall of Cobblepot. Yeah, he thinks the city to the point where he's so egotistical that he scratches the CD, which doesn't work that way, but scratches the CD (laughs) in some sort of celebration, like "ha ha, I got him." And of course, the movie has to go along with it because he's Batman, but really weak. Yeah. And if recent history told us anything, if you have a political figure that is proven to be a terrible person and doing bad things, if you have strong enough support going into that, they won't care. Yes. Mm -hmm. That audience would not turn on him so fast. They've been conditioned that he's the answer. (laughs) And if you have strong enough support, they don't bring vegetables to the speech to throw at your speech giver. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. There were no stands nearby that they could take it from. But and they do kind of poke at that. Penguin's like, why do they always bring food or fruit to these yeah. sort of things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me laugh and makes me not angry at that part. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Can't help it. It's fun. Jumping off the egotistical nature of Batman, what about him strapping a bomb to a man and, ki- and murdering him? <laughs> that scene still sticks with me after all these years. He murders a man in cold blood. He straps a bomb... Makes the grimace. It's okay. He was just a. He was just. He was just a clown. He was just a clown. That's fine. But he makes the grimace and everything. Like he's getting pleasure out of killing that guy. <laughs> it's okay because he does the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> That's not Batman. <laughs> Batman's not excited to kill someone. Batman's just happy that he's right. Batman was not innocent. Batman does not kill innocent yeah, people. I know. I know. There's a lot of clown violence and juggler violence, and I'm not going to say they didn't deserve and it. And sword swallower violence. That part was really. Oh, where he pulls the sword out of him? Yeah. Like, why did you go into battle with a sword in your mouth? Because he's in the circus. <laughs> oh, of course. Could have easily just went at Batman with a sword. I mean, the clubs aren't doing it, but if you if you hack at his his arm armor with a sword, you might be able to get through it and hurt him. Nah, we'll swallow this. Save it for later, I guess. <laughs> no, no, because inexplicably Catwoman's claw is able to get through his bulletproof armor. Well, she's allowed the time to find the seams. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. Because... She's a sore. She knows where the seams are. Batman's too hard up for a little light touch. It's been a while since Vicky, you're right. <laughs> oh, that fucking date. <laughs> okay, Again, okay. I... They use it as a plot point in this movie. I like the date with Vicky. The date with Vicky was more wholesome and more believable because he had Alfred there and everything else. This was just awkward as shit. Right. Because it's a rebound date. That's why. It is. It's supposed to be building tension between Batman and Catwoman. They both have a feeling like there's something about this other person. And then, like, they get to say things. So later it comes back and they say it again. So it's like it's supposed to be building up this whole thing where they might be relationship and the will they won't they and what happens when they find out and <sighs> what will Batman do and not do? Well, but be careful now. DC <laughs> won't, won't let Batman do anything. Oh, uh, no. Batman, DC went nuts with Batman and let him do anything. They ruined one of my favorite freaking comics to movie transitions, and that would be the killing joke. Batman does not have sexual relations with Parr. <laughs> no. Ah! Barbara Gordon, right? They had his character in in the comic. He's romantically involved with with Batgirl. 
in the comic. Not that. in the comic, sorry. Not in the comic, in the comic to animated series. Ah, animated movie transition in the animated movie they they brought that in as like a weird like extra thing i guess you know having the joker break down a door and and shoot one of your closest friends in front of one of your other closest friends <laughs> I, I guess that's not reason enough to be upset you also got to make it so that you're you're boning boning the one that got shot <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what they were thinking it really really left a bad taste in fans mouths that's all i know <laughs> it was heavily Sex talked sells. about yeah, like salt, like like vomit flavored Bernie Bot's jelly beans. I don't know, but yeah, no. DC can be uh, extremely forgiving and give you all the reins, or they can be extremely tight and not let you touch anything. And I really, truly don't feel like they found the right balance yet. So, what kind of textile has toxic waste? Every textile. Um, Shrek's? Toxic. We're talking about Shrek in a swamp here. It's probably not a textile. It's probably a nuclear waste facility where it just makes nuclear waste. Maybe. They never really talk about the fact that the penguin says, we're going to dip you in your waste, but then there's penguins swimming in it. They're fine. There's tons of stuff going in the water down there, and everything's fine. I think he's just bluffing. The only thing that wasn't fine was the penguin after he got out of the raw sewage, uh, the raw waste, and his skin starts going away, and he's coughing up black blood and stuff. Like, that was, I think, directly related to... The waste. Chekhov's waste. Well, I guess it only affected him. Then. Yes. It only affects the person you need to, it to affect to finish the movie. But he had one superpower that no one's talking about. Apparently, the penguin can emanate light from his chest. Um, because in this movie, he's laying on the bed, making a bird shape with his hands. Oh. Right over his oh. chest, and then the camera points at the ceiling, and you see a shadow puppet of a That's bat. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. And then they cut back to him doing it again, and it's like... There is no light source. That's I fair. did not this, catch th- that. This this would never work. His white shirt was definitely not that white. No, he's a mutant. <laughs> we, we learned this from his weird hands. Except we can't use the word mutant, so he's a, a neo Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Fox and Disney. Please don't come <laughs> after us. We, 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 we're sorry. We're sorry. What did they call them in the DC universe? Deviants? No. Uh, Scrunchers. No. The penguin. The penguin. No, mutants. Yes. Yeah, the penguin. That's what he's saying. <laughs> How did a circus get so many military-grade weapons? That's a great question. Maybe Shrek? Probably from the same place that the Riddler got all of his weapons after becoming the Riddler. Did they have the weapons be- before they abducted Shrek? Which, that one part where he's standing on top of the very uh, specific spot so he could fall down in the sewers was... Boy, was that lucky of them. Did yeah. they have the, yeah. the the weapons at that point? Otherwise, I... They're, they had machine guns right off the top. Yeah, but you can get machine guns off the corner. And they they had you know parade float quality presents. There was the uh, the grinder gatling gun. That was good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. grinder gatling gun. There we monkey. go. There okay. we go. I don't know. I do like that though. Grinder monkey and it's got yeah no. And the monkey has a great face when the keys get taken away from him. <laughs> Though I'm sure the monkey was a, a little oh, shit on the set for the rest of the time because monkeys are goddamn awful to work with, apparently. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's talk about monkeys and, and, and animals being tough to work with. Big, big kudos to Michelle Pfeiffer on this one. You guys know about the bird, right? The one she put in her mouth? Uh-huh. You know about it, right? Oh, I know about her. No. I, I know about the scene. I don't know oh, what happened it in is, real life. It is a real bird. 
she actually put a real bird in her mouth for that scene. Oh my. <laughs> that whole scene with the bird in her mouth, there's actually a living bird in her mouth for that whole scene. She thinks back to it and she says she doesn't know what she was thinking. And, you know, obviously there's risk for disease, but she did it. I mean, there's a really good opportunity to learn magic. You got a bunch of carnies on set. Have them teach you some sleight of hand. Nope. <laughs> there's no sleight of hand for putting a bird in your mouth. You just put it in and you don't think about it. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's something that Penguin would say to Catwoman, but okay. He was a filthy bastard in this movie. There is a lot of unnecessary sexual everything in this movie. Uh, that was, was horny as yeah, crap. Yeah, that was described somewhere. Um, one of the sites, I can't remember what I was reading, but it was along the lines of uh, Tim Burton really wanted to dive into the fetishism of the characters because obviously you have a guy dressing up as a bat in a costume and a girl dressing up as a cat in her costume. There's reason to kind of go with that fetish and 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 fall into it, lead into it pretty hard. And I guess that's what he was really doing was leaning into it. So yeah, yeah, it's in there for a reason. Sure, It's sure. uncomfortable, but it's in there for a reason. And I mean, the penguin, uh, the penguin is a really good example of someone with incel nature mm-hmm. because he is out to stick his dick in just about anything. Yep. And when he finds... <laughs> Catwoman, to, and he's just like, I, yes, yes, let's do it, let's do it, no matter what she wants or needs in her life. And then when she shuts him down, he acts out violently and takes of, it out on her. Throws her off a building. Yep. Yeah, and the the fact that he's got all the stuff just prepped anyways, like, scented or unscented, it's like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, that's that's all he's planning each day. That's, that's his life. That and groping women, putting pins on their uh-huh. chests and stuff, and winking at girls that are idolizing him does he have any redeeming qualities uh he's a hard worker Eh. because he does a lot of studying at the front end of the movie that would be boring that's fair by hunting down all the uh firstborn children Mm, yes yes because they don't have computers so he's got to do it by hand taping up documents he's got to be somewhat industrious because all the things that he has it's not like some goon is making like coming up with all of these ideas these contraptions and stuff like that so he's got to have some ideas he's got to be have some intelligence well no sure. that's that's one of the things hands down with with the character of the penguin specifically from the comics i mean penguin is brilliant not i, I can't remember who's smarter between penguin and riddler i want to say riddler is obviously smarter but penguin isn't far behind like penguin is a criminal mastermind and he usually plans things out and has pretty diabolical schemes so, that fits. That definitely fits. Sure. There's just nothing to like about the penguin. No. What? what? Apart from the fact that he was acted amazingly. He has penguins. Look at Gotham. Look at Gotham. Do you think anybody gave a shit when that aquarium or whatever the hell it was burned down and the whole thing went to hell? No. Penguins have him. <laughs> yeah. The, he took care of them when the city no, turned their back on the penguins. <laughs> no. I refuse to believe that. He was doing just fine before he met them. And also, thanks to the Penguin, we have the word Poontang in a Batman movie. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> thanks, Joe. I'd push that out. You're welcome. It's, the <laughs> Penguin is gross. The thing I don't like is just how gross they decided to go. Seeing chewed up raw fish in his mouth was not something I needed in my life. Oh, it's one of the things I always think back to fondly in this movie. The black blood coming out of his mouth, I don't need it. The weird... Come on, I I, I don't need it. There's a drought of people eating raw fish, Ken. But it really does speak to our 
Oh man, our democratic process just being so wonderful that you can parade this guy eating a raw fish <laughs> down the stairs and into your election headquarters and everyone's like, oh yes, this is great. And then he bites somebody's nose and they're like, oh, that's fine. Uh-huh. He's he's going to be great for this place. Like It just speaks wonders about... Uh, the democratic process. And then you see similar stuff in action, not biting noses, but practically eating raw fish. But you see very similar things happen and people... I don't need to be reminded of totally reality okay in life, <laughs> in my movies, in my comic book movies. <laughs> <laughs> it is very unsettlingly prescient because you can look at that and be like, yeah, this probably could happen. These people are probably being paid quite well to deal with his bullshit. The one thing this movie makes me the angriest about, and I am so angry about this, (laughs) they set up that Alfred can write dirty limericks. And we never got it. But then Alfred never gives us the dirty limericks. I want Alfred's dirty limericks. That is true. Oh, man. I want them too. <laughs> that in the snow is too interesting to look at because it ain't real. It's goopy, <laughs> it's sloppy, and I just it pulls my attention and I just feel like I just want to watch the tires run over it because of how it acts. So I'll I'll be distracted in the movie by the snow because I'm like, mm, what is that? How is it working? What what's going on? Too distracting. Very yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we've been going on at length. What has changed over time with your opinion on this movie? I think we kind of got a hint of that with Andy, how it's changed. I don't dislike it as much as the first time I watch it, actually. I actually kind of uh, enjoy it and appreciate it. The more I do go back to it somehow, I don't like to admit that uh, (laughs) just because the Penguin is so bad. But then he does things like killing sleeping children. Isn't that kind of... And then he shoots the guy. And he's like, no, it's a lot of, ah, you're such a terrible person. It's so cartoonishly bad at that point. It's uh, it's kind of funny. But you, you go back and you get past the kind of gross out. You get used to that. And then it just becomes kind of an interesting and, and, and almost in a weird way fun film. I mean, you get one of the best one-liners in any Batman movie. You have that to take away from it. You know, you know the scene where he's fighting Catwoman? Eat floor, high fiber. That's, that's one of my favorite jokes. Uh, <laughs> I love this joke. Catwoman had a bunch of puns in her lines too that were dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I don't expect, but still nothing else. quite as bad as nothing quite as bad as all the Mister Freeze jokes and Batman. Ooh, and we're not going to talk about those. I mean, we yeah, might, let's not. Let's not go there. Can, that's a dark can forest. We please, no. I love that movie. <laughs> that's a dark forest to go down. I don't want to go so down bad. I'll watch it by myself then. I, I'm going to agree. I I think this one this time around isn't as off-putting to me because I'm just willing to watch it for what it is. My expectations gone, so I'm not that gotta have the movies whatever way that I, I had when I was younger when watching this. I'm more open to it. Plus, I like Danny DeVito uh, and Tim Burton. He's got some good stuff going on in this. I, I like, you know, smaller sets, tighter things you know that they used but i don't know i think it's all right yeah i'm more open to it these days give me something different how about you dan i remember really enjoying this movie when i was a little younger but the viewing that i did for this episode really turned me off for this movie i remember enjoying this movie a lot 
and there's just so many things that just I did not find palatable at all. Was it Paul Rubens in the beginning? Because he's only in the beginning. But he tries to kill a child. I mean, mind you, the child is locked in a cage and still manages to what we assume is murder a cat. Yeah, I was just going to say, the child killed their cat. You wonder if they're feeding the kid enough. I don't know. (laughs) Like, what's going on there? I'm so confused. You wonder if they did enough as parents. You really do. (laughs) When I was a kid, I always thought uh, when they were pushing the pram through the park that I didn't know it was a wicker top because of the belt oh sure it. sure i always interpreted that 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 was the belly of the baby oh, and i was like holy <laughs> crap that's a huge baby <laughs> but this time viewing it i'm like oh that's just the wicker top that makes way more sense that would be a giant baby that would, yes the belt is to keep the baby in the baby is not supposed to escape the baby was supposed to drown so yeah the baby gets thrown into the sewer as at christmas time because somebody says merry christmas to them and then the rest rest of the movie also takes place at Christmas time and Shrek's uh, incriminating ovens is in a is in a Christmas stocking and, and Catwoman says maybe next Christmas when when they are talking about introducing a sequel and uh, and so this is more Christmas than than, than Die Hard game over yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so does this movie hold up these days or does it not stand the test of time. So interestingly, there's more tech in this movie that would kind of date it for its time. The the CDs uh, coming to mind right off the bat. Yeah. So this movie is kind of stuck in a time unlike the first one. I'll agree with that. Where the only thing really holding it out is the prints. The uh, phone answering machine. The answering machine, That definitely yeah. puts a date on it. Yeah. However, still telemarketers. Ugh. <laughs> but it does... Even though it's dated, does it does it hold up? I'll say enough. I think yeah, I think it holds up enough. It holds up enough where if somebody asks, "Should I watch this movie?" I'd say, "Yeah, go ahead. It's a it's a fun watch. Just be wary of what you're going into." Yeah, I don't think it does anything that really ruins it. There's there's a bad animation shot of the penguins, but it's from overhead, really high up. So it's at least they didn't try to do a close up like that. Yeah. yeah. They knew their limits, and they stuck to it. Well, cool. That was us gurgling in the cesspool under the city <laughs> that once was a penguin exhibit somehow. And rewinding, Batman Returns from 1992. If you could please rate, review, comment, subscribe, share, throw the podcast out the window and into someone's car driving by so that they can say, hey, what's this podcast? And go, oh, I like 80s and 90s movies too. Wow, I haven't (laughs) thought about this stuff in a while and I'd like to watch this movie again because these four guys are talking about it and gosh golly gee... Now I'm interested again. Wow, the voice that you just kind of... And then they turn into Waluigi and then Opie Cunningham? We're all over the place here. I like it. Holy butts. (laughs) And then you can come back next time when we will rewind Jurassic Park. It had to happen eventually. So excited. And if you... If you thought these episodes being two-parters were a little much, we might be leaving two-parters behind us and going into three or four-parters, depending on how this goes. Because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot to say about Jurassic Park. Maybe a little.
<laughs> the first half is definitely going to be quite big. We could we could do like a scene by scene breakdown. I wouldn't mind that if you guys want. Yeah, to do I mean, it. I, I'm willing to talk about Jurassic Park ad nauseum. I I really don't care. <laughs> Set up a day, play a scene, and then talk about it immediately. <laughs> oh no, 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 that's too much, <laughs> too much. But next time we'll have a deep dive on Jurassic Park. So come back in two weeks when we rewind again. Yeah. But no, 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 no witty comment on this movie, though. I was too Anyone? excited about the Man, idea for the last I, one. I had something, but then Ken derailed whatever I was thinking about. Ken, you saved the previous podcast, but you ruined this one. <laughs> I'll call it a wash. Just like the color from this movie. There you Ooh. go. We got there. <laughs>